Hello and welcome to the Every Woman podcast. I'm Anna and I'm your host and every month we'll be bringing you the stories, insights and opinions of inspiring people in business on a wide range of topics, asking the questions you want the answers to and doubtless prompting some more in the process. When we first set up this podcast episode, our original focus was on discussing sustainable travel and the crucial role that women around the world can play as part of that. Our guest then, as today, is sustainable travel luxury expert and strategist Juliette Kinsman, one of the original founders of boutique hotel site Mr. and Mrs. Smith and now Proteco, which helps people to find boutique echo hotels and inspires hoteliers to improve their sustainability and social responsibility. Juliet's 2019 documentary highlighted the positive power of both the travel industry and greater diversity, looking at the work of Education for All in Morocco, a charity that's partly su- supported by donations from local hotel Casbah de Tukbol. In the film, she discussed why it's so important to educate girls from remote rural areas to make a greener, more ethical world possible. Obviously, since then, events have overtaken us with the declaration of the COVID-19 pandemic, and with the travel industry heading into tough times, sustainability is still a huge concern. But now it also encompasses whether the industry itself is sustainable in its current form, and how things might look, both in terms of the challenges and the potentials for positive change post-pandemic. We've logged on remotely for this podcast episode to discuss all this with her and more. So welcome, Juliet. Thanks so much, Anna. Thank you. So extraordinary times, extraordinary measures, airlines grounded, country lockdowns. Obviously, the, the knock on impact on airlines and large travel companies will be very visible in, in the months and years to come following this. But but who else will the disruption to travel and, and indeed globalisation impact? It's really poignant when you think that 10 percent of the world is employed by tourism and as a whole sector, it's completely stalled. I think the challenge is to think we have to think about the long term and a lot of people will still have holidays booked now if possible if people can just just don't cancel them and they can just postpone them delay them because what we have to do is not just think about the people we're giving our money to in in the UK the travel agents or or the airlines certainly Um, it's the whole supply chain so as soon as this happened I just pictured the individual people you know making tea for you in Sri Lanka or, or or the guide in in Peru, all these different communities are going to be affected in ways we can't even imagine. So my other concern I'd say right now with travel is that, you know, we were just making such great leaps forward this year in terms of the conversation around sustainability. And I'm, I'm, I'm obviously a bit concerned that that is going to fall by the wayside and people are, are, are thinking obviously understandably about themselves but we do still really, it's shown us that we need to think of, of the world as a whole and how our travels and our holidays can, can actually be, have a positive impact in the future and help, help spread better health is how I'm looking at it. So, uh, you know, the main thing that people can do is to keep money in the system then, I guess. Um, and as you say, we're all connected. You know, it's, that's, a, that's a staggering statistic. 10% uh, is, is a staggering statistic. I mean, in terms of the sustainability um, angle, it's so crucial now, as I said, in a sort of a, a broader sense and in the, in the everyday. Is there anything else that consumers can do at the moment to buffer the impact on all levels of the supply chain? And in terms of sustainability, um, you know, is this a chance to reshape the industry for the better 
if it doesn't fall by the wayside. So in terms of sustainability, what's really, really important is we remember it's not just about the environment. Sustainability is, is social sustainability, economic sustainability, and of course the environment. They all work together. If you look at the United Nations 17 SDGs, Sustainable Development Goals, it's really great to have those front of mind. And I think if you think, I mean, in terms of every aspect of our life, it's never been more important to think about who we're giving our money to. Um, as, as the saying goes, every single time you, you spend money, you are essentially taking, taking a vote for the world that you want to, to live in. And I think with travel, we as consumers can do so much to try and help a huge, huge uh, industry and and all the different communities that rely on it. Um, well, I mean that's a key point, isn't it? And I think you know that most people do see sustainability just in terms of uh, you know the environment, but actually it's it's so much more than that. And obviously one of those uh, aspects and and something you're particularly passionate about is the role of women uh, um, in in you know sustainable travel, sustainable worlds. Um, tell me why you're particularly passionate about this. Uh, I know that you've made uh, a documentary about this, and, and and then let's talk a little bit about the essential role um, you know that travel can play in this in this respect. A lot of people, when we made the documentary called "Changing Worlds in the Atlas Mountains," um, which I I I did create to shine a light on education for all in Morocco, which is supported by Casbah de Tubkal, as you mentioned. It was because it sort of when you're out there and you, you realize that these initiatives are connected to climate change, um, it's so important to highlight that to people because they always, you know, people who watch the film, even now they might say, sorry, how, how is educating women in remote rural areas a way to mitigate against climate change? And actually, you know, if, you, if anyone ever will give me a minute and thank you for listening now, um, it, it, you, you know, you can explain it uh, in terms of, of, of women, in, in terms of young girls. I mean, this is a universal story. If you look at India, um, lots of parts of Asia, Africa, I was in Morocco. If you help young girls access better education and continue their studies. So in the case of Morocco, it's simply geography. Uh, and a few cultural reasons why they don't go. I mean, they have two-hour walks to school. So if you can help them get a further education, uh, they'll get married later. They'll have children and babies later on, and those babies will be fewer and healthier. Uh, their in increased liter literacy is really going to, to help. In terms of, uh, you know, the world population, uh, about 800, almost 800 million people in the world are illiterate, and two-thirds of those are female. So by enabling them to, to pursue their studies, you're going to empower them in terms of their societies and equality will follow, but also economically, they're going to be able to contribute better. Now, all of this right now, people will stop thinking about because right now, all we care about is the health of the world and, and dealing with, with an emergency. But my concern is if we don't look to the future and look to the long term and look at the, you know, the, the, the causes of say climate change um we're just we're just going to we're going it's like snakes and ladders we're going to be back even further back so all i really try and do is say to people you know holidays are a wonderful way to um to to have a positive impact in the world thinking about who you're going who where you're going sorry who you're giving your money to that is a fantastic way to to do good so right now whilst none of us are traveling and no one's really thinking about holidays please just think about on the other side which holidays you can have which can help the world heal and which holidays in particular might have a positive impact on, on women. 
So I'd love to bombard you with lots of uh, recommendations and thoughts, but it's really just getting people to think a little bit more deeply about who they're giving their money to when they go on holiday. So in terms of sustainability, I mean, the Casbada Tupkal, um, you know, that collaboration is, is it, I presume it's not a unique collaboration. I mean, do you want to give any, any shout outs to any particularly uh, sustainable holidays that you've come across or sustainable properties? Because, I mean, I think people often don't know whether they're being greenwashed or not. So it's so interesting because with Casba de Tupcal, actually the genesis for the, for the NGO, Education for All, was from the hospitality project. So it's quite unique in that way. Mike McHugo, who went to um, Morocco and bought this lodge in the highest peak of North Africa, Tupcal Peak in the Atlas Mountains, he noticed that whilst he was empowering the local Berber community, it was all the men coming to work in the hotel because that's their culture. So he noticed in these little tiny remote villages that a lot of the girls were staying at home. And as I say, it was geography. So he realized that it wasn't a question just of, of building schools. The government does do that. It's a question of helping a lot of these girls access the ed education in the schools. So in the case uh, of this area, what he did was rent uh, an apartment in a local market town and obviously you can't just pluck these young girls from their families and put them in these towns or these apartments you have to get house mothers so he found loving caring women to look after the girls whilst they're in town throughout the week do their homework with them cook and clean with them and then they would you know go back to their families at the weekend so it's a wonderful case of really just by providing a loving safe home they can go to the schools that are there. And that's often the problem around the world. It's not a question of building the schools. It's a question of just helping girls access them. So lots and lots of different hospitality brands and hotels partner with initiatives like this. And I think, you know, if, if you make a comparison to food and the food industry and the slow food movement, think about when we look at our plate, we might not used to, in the past, we might not have thought about the provenance of all those ingredients, but we certainly do now. We want small producers. We like to know it's been made ethically or it's been farmed in a way that's not using chemicals. It's the same thing with the travel supply chain. It's really great to know that when you're experiencing a holiday, it's run by people who are also giving something back. So, I mean, that really, it, it's not part of the hotel story usually we still look at you know whether the hotel room is comfortable what facilities they have whether it's beautiful um it's not usually front of their story whether they support initiatives like that but so as consumers it's up to us to do our homework and i think it's a really really great thing to do and you you anna mentioned greenwashing well that's the key term um i'm, I'm sure everyone sort of heard it if they're familiar with the sort of origin of that term it helps it came about in the 80s there was a guy on holiday in new zealand and he saw those little signs that we all know so well in the bathroom saying, you know, help out the planet, use your towels again, don't wash those sheets again. But of course, this was just the, the hotel owners trying to save, save some money, but making it look like they had a real, you know, heart, heart and head for the environment. So greenwashing is when a business just, what they do is shout about the little things they do that are good, and then concealing perhaps an operation which isn't as environmentally friendly. So it's up to us to really work out who the good guys are. And I mean, you know, there's some there's some great, really small initiatives that, that wouldn't survive without uh, hospitality brands supporting them. This week, I've just been reading about girls, well, girls in, in Zambia. I mean, it's not just getting a ed good education that's a challenge there, but it's also, well, it's also their health. Um, there's obviously lots of issues around... Um, 
the safety of young girls. So hotels that that partner would be someone like, well, uh, Abercrombie and Kent, they work with a wonderful uh, group of, of, of women who they help empower them just by, you know what they empower them just by giving them bikes so they can get get around they have independence it's small things like that fascinating stories um and i also uh, the other day i was hearing about hacienda la danesa in in ecuador they work with an ngo called let girls rise now that ngo won't get world headlines i mean they only work with 120 families um but the work that they do do impacts in an incredible way so if you imagine there in ecuador that community a lot of the residents are going to be living with less than $10 a day maximum to live on. Imagine what that is now. So they barely have access to clean water. I mean, there might be a primary school, but you know, you're gonna have one teacher if they're lucky for many, many, many different students of different levels. Um, There's a big problem with teenage pregnancy there. So you're gonna have a lot of uh, single women. There's no sex education. It's just looking at all, all of these stories behind the hospitality stories and supporting them and talking about them and booking hotels that support them. You mentioned which you know travel operators can we can we support? I mean, responsible travel is doing great things. They have seen a huge surge in the demand for female guides on their holidays, which is great. Um, so they will support female-owned and and locally run uh, suppliers. As I say, it's looking at the supply chain. I love that they have a head of values. So. Chrissy Rowe will make the point that with the female guides, also they, they offer a sort of more sensitive, different insight into a culture often, rather than the, the traditional male uh, guides that we usually get in tourism. Um, I think if you, it, it, G Adventures is always, is always someone I love to talk about. They operate all over the world. Uh, the founder of that, Bruce Poon Tip, I mean, they've been, they've been going 30 years, but he helps through his business set up loads of social enterprises so he's got all manner of different uh, initiatives he's helping with i i went to penalty in in nepal where housewives traditionally housewives were opening up their spare bedrooms or not that they had spare bedrooms but creating them to welcome foreign travelers into their homes they've created a whole wonderful homestay accommodation initiative there and the trickle down effect of that is obviously it it allows them to have a revenue. It allows their younger children in their family, girls and boys, to continue their studies and go on to university, which would never have happened without this sort of stream of tourism. Um, it's wonderful. So there are lots of wonderful ways that hotels are helping and we need to support them now more than ever. So, I mean, in terms of that support, both supporting the industry and these the amazing collaborations, you know, uh, we talked about postponing holidays. I mean, uh, there's certainly been a, a, some sort of very local initiatives where I am, where people are sort of paying for services up front that they will then take advantage of when the pandemic is finished. Is there something that we could do around that, do you think, uh, as consumers uh, in terms of booking holidays to take possibly next year, but paying now? Do you think that's a feasible, supportive goal? Anna, I think that's absolutely wonderful. But who really, I mean, would do that right now? All we know is the world is going crazy. So people aren't thinking about holidays. However, I think you're right. I I think use this time when you're at home. I mean, I understand a lot of people's own personal incomes will will be seriously challenged by all of this. But if you are in a position where you still feel comfortable enough to think about a holiday, it is the best thing you can do. As I say, not just from an economic point of view, but really just giving hope, supporting optimism within the travel sector. 
um, they will be available to to help you explore flexi flexibility. There will be, but please, I mean, it's just human nature to think, wow, there'll be loads of bargains on the other side of this. There will be, but it will only be the really, really big businesses that will be able to offer those. All the small suppliers, I mean, really, the profit margins in travel aren't what people think. Just because a, a luxurious holiday looks like it's, you know, full of, of indulgence and extras, actually, that costs the, the hosts a lot to run and, and they really need us. And if you think of even Glen Eagles, I spoke to someone yesterday, that employs a thousand people in Scotland. And if you think of all those individual people in that hotel and, and their families they might support, that is a lot of people. So if we can be looking at the holidays, we can certainly postpone or even book or, you know, you'd be doing a wonderful service. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. People's, uh, you know, it's a complicated uh, sort of set of things, isn't it, from finances to how much optimism you've got that you'll be able to travel in the fairly distant future or even the fairly close future. But I mean, I, let's just talk generally. How sustainable was the travel industry before COVID-19? You know, is sustainable travel even possible? at the scale at which we travel now and in a globalised world. And you know, how do you see this changing things when, when the pandemic finally is, you know, calms down? You know, it's a great conversation to have around sustainability. What does it really mean? Sustainable travel, what does that mean? And I think in the past, people always thought it meant a, that you'd have to give up some comfort or it meant eco-hotels where, you know, it was really worthy and a good place to go, but it wasn't as fun or luxurious or indulgent, which is perhaps what you want in your holiday. But actually, you know, I think, I mean, travel, travel has always had the potential to be a force for incredible good. And if you look at hoteliers such as Sonu, who runs Suniva in the Maldives, he is, through hospitality, he's creating a whole initiative, which he's working with the government there to educate people on different islands about how, you know, it's best not to, to open burn all their rubbish. So if he didn't have that revenue from travel, he wouldn't be able to do that. And that's something that's helping people across the Maldives. Um, lots of different hospitality brands do that. There's many sort of promoting permaculture. I don't know how much people are thinking about that right now. I mean, there's a certain irony. <laughs> I had an article come out a couple of weeks ago saying, look out for the non-toxic hotels. Let's really celebrate, you know, organic hotels. Not just because that's an annoying thing for me to say from West London. No, but because actually there are too many chemicals in nature and that it's much healthier for everyone, for ecosystems and the planet as a whole to reduce our reliance on chemicals. And now look, <laughs> the week my article comes out, you know, saying, look at permaculture and being in harmony with nature. Literally every antibacterial, everything sells out. So we're running counter to sustainability right now, but that's understandable. What we really will need to do is recalibrate after this. And, you know, all I ever say is, is if you look at nature, and, and I think, you know, some people think it's kind of woo-woo to start talking like this, but it's not woo-woo. It's just reality. It's science. If you look at nature, every system is just uh, an example of, of something that functions in harmony. In nature, there's no such thing as waste, you know, uh, in terms of the carbon cycle or, or matter decomposing. It becomes nutrients for, for another organism or another, you know, life. And, and there's this beautiful close closed loop. And I think there's been such a departure from that. Um, I would hope that during this time of contemplation and slowing down, we can think about how perhaps we can get a bit closer to nature afterwards, support nature. Um, that means in terms of supporting hotels that, that promote conservation. You know, I think some crazy amount of, of, of lack of money goes into 
environmental charity uh, initiatives. So let's say 4%, only 4% of all charitable donations go towards conservation. Um, and I think, you know, right now we'll be thinking about the health of individuals and people, but we really, really, really need to invest in the planet as a whole to help everyone because it's the most vulnerable right now in, in, in developing countries um, who we don't see who need us most to support them through travel. That, that's what I think. So, you know, but we're still a global world, aren't we? I mean, we've still got to work out how to do to do globalisation in a way that is going to be sustainable. We're using that word a lot, but, you know, practical as well. I mean, the, the, you know, everything is, is so interconnected. We have to find a way to make that work. And, I mean, you've talked about the recalibration, but will that happen on a widespread uh, you know, a widespread level. Who knows? Uh, it's it's no one really knows, do they? I love that you left me hanging with the nobody really knows. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. We we don't know. We just don't know what's going to happen. Things are changing day to day. It's. I'll tell you what is really interesting. Do you know the the story of the fable of the bees? Uh, no. Okay. So I'm probably going to hash this up, but I was thinking someone yesterday reminded me of the fable of the bees, which was a sort of 18th century uh, book by, by, by a philosopher, Mandeville. And it really talks about, you know, if you think of us right now, well, in terms of sustainability, everyone thinks what we advocate is, is just this sort of slightly, um, you know, uh, earnest way of, of living. We must live in a completely virtuous way. We must absolutely surrender all personal, um, greed but actually in his book what it talks about is is the economy of the hive will collapse if you think like that so yes while i think i say we must all think as a collective we must all work together as individuals what we need to do is just be more conscious consumers and use and you know keep spending the money and don't don't be all sort of you know more sustainable than thou um but just just think about how every time you you pay for anything you, you can just have a positive impact. It's it's really important. I think, yeah, having your, you know, just realising the power that you have as a consumer. And you, as you say, it doesn't all have to be hemp and hessian. I mean, let's talk about luxury. What's what's the new luxury? What How is luxury travel going to evolve in a way that, you know, we all love a bit of luxury. That's not going to go away. How does it, how do we move that forward so that, you know, it looks different. It has maybe a different impact. Thanks for bringing it back, actually, to look at the word luxury and think about, the language we use because actually for me I know I'm, I'm a journalist uh, and a writer so I think about words um, but actually that's a really good point so luxury if you look at the origins of that word in Latin actually I think it just meant something that was rare so that makes sense it came to mean something that was about sensual pleasures or or perhaps indulgence extravagance I think in terms of luxury we're going to be thinking quite differently about it after this I think luxury will be will be health one mm -hmm. uh, you know it'll be about experiences um, more meaningful experiences for me luxury is something that makes me feel good luxury is a feeling in itself so luxury travel is a holiday or trip that makes me feel I'm giving back because of course that that's more rewarding than anything often you know you think of all these people who go on incredible safari trips and they see all the big five and this that and the other and they drink tea or have G&Ts at sunset and the you know, overlooking the savannah, you know what? It might actually be the little interactions, the little moments where they, they see how staying in that particular lodge has supported a school, um, is helping the local indigenous people retain their culture. That's luxury. 
That's what they'll talk about when they get home at their dinner parties too. So luxury won't, won't just be about personal excess, uh, which, you know, as you say, that sort of sense of 75 things on the buffet and, you know, all of that. Um, do you think that's part of a wider issue that the psychological change, we need to rebrand certain aspects of travel in, all the, in order to make people demand them, I guess? Yes, I'm so glad you. Uh, I'm so glad you brought that up because actually, it's something I think about a lot. Is about change, um, and in terms of you know, in terms of right now, it's a huge, huge time of change, and 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 you know, change can be slow or it can be sudden, as we're seeing. And I was thinking at the start of this year in terms of sustainability and encouraging hotels to tweak their operations so they can be more sustainable. Um, and and uh, you know, there's a great quote from from Tolstoy from. Uh, beginning of the, the 20th century. And he says, everyone thinks of changing the world, but no one thinks of changing himself. And I really think that's a great guide. You know, if we can look at our own behavior and habits, if we can just change them a little bit, um, perhaps we just think about only prioritizing businesses that limit their waste. I mean, th there are lots of hotels I've gone to, which most people would be Instagramming away in the living room, having, uh, you know, in their sitting rooms, really sexy design, having a cocktail, whereas I'm out back seeing they've got an anaerobic digester and going, wow, you guys turn your solid waste into, into liquid? That is awesome, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but as you say, that could be part of the experience. At the moment, it's a sort of slightly ring-fenced, isn't it? And, you know, it can be a bit worthy, you know. You've got the anaerobic, you know, composter or whatever and, and uh, you sort of tick the list. But actually, it could be part of the fun. It could be part of the enjoyment of the whole holiday. I think there's no could be about it. <laughs> I love right, it. there we go. Yes, I mean, you know, I always talk about in hospitality, if you think people are there to have fun, it's their opportunity to edutain, which is to educate, but also entertain their guests. And, you know, it's kind of a hard sell saying, hey, guys, do you want to lie by the swimming pool? Or do you want to take a tour of our <laughs> anaerobic waste? <laughs> yeah, I mean, me, I know I love seeing a recycling system out back. Uh, Alila in, in Uluwatu in Bali is one of the most Instagrammed, beautiful hotels in the world, without a doubt. I mean, if you just put that into Instagram. But actually, it was taking a tour of their recycling system, their bottling plant, that I was like, wow, these guys are awesome. You know, they're really, they're doing things differently. And it was fun. And you go away with this sort of thought and memory about how we personally can impact the world through, through our choices. That's the key thing, isn't it? I mean, deeply philosophical, but everything is about choices, isn't it? And we are in times where people's choices will have a massive impact on the world that we inherit after the pandemic uh, in terms of economically, in terms of the travel industry, in terms of always. So let's recap. Give me your, your you know, the things that you most want people out there to consider in this particular sphere. We've talked about postponing, not cancelling. Is there anything else that they can think about? whilst quarantined in their house uh, in terms of the future of travel? So this isn't a typical conversation around travel for me, because usually I would just be full of inspiration and be so positive. But, you know, we have to be a little bit more uh, sombre at the moment because we don't know what's ahead. But I think as and when, you know, services resume, what will be critical is to just be a bit more mindful than ever of the power we hold. And I think right now, you know, People don't need me wagging my finger saying, you know, think about sustainability, think about making the world a better place. But actually, just actually, all I ask people to do is just think a little bit more deeply about every decision that we make. And I think this time right now is affording people 
you know, the chance of more co contemplation. We're all slowing down. And as I say, just, just when you book a holiday or you book a trip or whatever you do, whether, you know, it's what you buy, what you take away with you, just, just slow down, sort of let your appetite be a bit more reasonable. We don't need everything all the time. And just really look at that supply chain, because I think what's important is to remember how I think the United Nations said that for every hundred dollars spent by a tourist from a developed country, only five dollars of that stays in a local developing economy. So please, let's just change that. Let's spread the wealth. Let's think of the world. Let's support each other and, and be like nature, be connected and, and part of the sort of the same system. Juliet Kinsman, thank you for joining us.